0: I pretty much write it out and then read it. Um, hope everybody's doing fine this morning. I feel good, so uh, let's get started. Let me say uh, at the beginning of this Sunday school class, and I, I generally I say this stuff always, um, I'm not a Hebrew or Greek scholar. Um, I, I don't speak Hebrew or Greek, nor do I read or write Hebrew or Greek, nor do I understand Hebrew or Greek. Uh, But what I do have is a Strong's Concordance, which talks, believe it or not. (laughs) you put the CD in and it tells you how to pronounce the word and that that kind of stuff. And uh, gives you the translation of uh, every word in the uh, King James Version of the Bible. And um, I also have the Internet, uh, which has many helps uh, for translating Hebrew and Greek or any other language. And uh, with the Internet, too, I'm able to look up word definitions and usages in the English language, as well as any grammatical English questions that I might have. And, you know, I wrote all that yesterday because I was going to give a a definition on on, uh, who and whom. I was going to use a particular uh, Bible verse, but I ended up not using it. So, (laughs) But it's in here. Anyway, I'm also uh, not a Bible scholar. Uh, I'm only a Bible learner. Um, these studies generally help me more than anyone else when I do them. Um, and then lastly, uh, let me say that I'm not an expert on Jehovah's Witnesses um, and their uh, beliefs, even though in the past I've often attempted to pre- prepare all of us uh, to be able to defend our beliefs uh in God and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and God's word against the contrary beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh again, the internet is a tremendous help uh in this area. And I just I, I write all this because I just want you to know I'm just one of you. That's all I am. Well, in my case perhaps two of you, but <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, let's uh let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, uh We just uh, thank you and praise you, Lord, that uh, we can uh, laugh and make jokes about ourselves. But we know, Lord, that we're here this morning to study your word. And, uh, Lord, we take that seriously. We thank you, Lord. Uh, We just praise you that, uh, Lord, uh, you have given us your word. Uh, Lord, you uh, uh, have given us uh, your word, Lord, so that we can uh, know how to walk with you, know how to uh, serve you, Lord, know how to do the things, Lord, that you want us to do. And we're thankful uh, for that. Uh, Lord, I I thank you personally for allowing me to um, uh, give this uh, Sunday school lesson this morning. And I thank you, Lord, for all the things that I've read and, uh, Lord, how you have impressed them on my uh, mind and on my heart. And uh, I just pray for all of us this morning, Lord, that you would um, help us, Lord, to take your word in. Uh, not to keep it there, Lord, but to um, uh, live it in our lives, Lord, and to share it with others and to certainly uh, be a witness for you, Lord. And I just uh, thank you and praise you for all the uh, things that you do for us through your Holy Spirit, through your Son, Jesus Christ, and uh, through through yourself, Lord. And I just uh, praise you and thank you for everything. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So. The last time I was uh, here teaching Sunday school, I attempted uh, through many scriptures to show us that Jesus Christ is God. And with scripture after scripture, I showed that uh, Jesus Christ does what God does, and in fact is called God in the scripture, and is God. The Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus Christ is a person created by God at some point in time instead of the second person of the Trinity, eternally equal with the Father and Holy Spirit and and the Creator of all things. Our study this morning and perhaps next Sunday too will be focused primarily on the Holy Spirit. However, there are a few things concerning the Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs I would like to share first. Uh, The attempt to defend the deity of the Holy Spirit against the contrary beliefs of the Jehovah's Witnesses is um, compounded by their belief that the Holy Spirit is not God and also is not a person, but is a force sent out from God by which God interacts with the world, such as wind or fire or electricity or radar or power of some other sort. And I'm sure there's many... uh, more things that we could list there. Instead of the third person of the Trinity endued with whatever power he chooses, eternally equal with the Father and the Son, my attempt this morning will be to defend that the Holy Spirit is both a person and God and thereby strengthen our faith with the truth of God and the Word of God. And this study isn't so much so so that we can uh, convince or somehow change Jehovah's Witnesses. It's, I think, more uh, for us uh, to be prepared against their untruths in the Bible. Um, The word uh, for spirit in the Old Testament translated into English from the Hebrew word, and I'm going to try to say this. I don't know if I have it right, but it's ruach, I think is how it's pronounced. It's R-A-U-C-H. Uh, can also be translated as wind and breath. And let me repeat that uh, just in a different way here. Uh, The the Hebrew word ruach can be translated as spirit or wind or breath into the English language. Uh, When we read Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, in the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible which says, and, and actually I didn't write down the whole whole verse, because in that, in that Bible it does have uh, all the different meanings of the word, uh, but the one that I'm focused on this morning is uh, that particular reading, which says, The earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And then... We turn around and read uh, verses like Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And this is from the King James. uh, And it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them, blown tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the holy ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance and after reading these verses and if uh we were to ignore all other scripture that speak about the holy spirit we too might be sympathetic to the Jehovah's witness view concerning the holy spirit however One translation of a a Bible verse and a couple other verses that mention something that sounded like wind and something that looked like tongues of fire do nothing to delineate the Holy Spirit as a person or indicate that he is merely a force and not the eternal third person of the Trinity. The real problem for Christians defending their views in a debate with Jehovah's Witnesses And using the Word of God arises from the fact that Jehovah's Witnesses do not hold the belief that the Word of God is the final truth. Allow me to read to you the highlights of the beliefs of Jehovah's Witnesses taken from the Watchtower publication, December 1st, 1981, page 27. And um, I was suspect about uh, what we're about to read because the information didn't come directly from a Jehovah's Witness website. It came from a Christian website talking about Jehovah's Witness website. Uh, But after further investigation, I went to Wikipedia, and of course they're not Jehovah's Witnesses, but they're reputable, I think. And uh, after uh, going there, it, it was evident that they cited many of the same facts uh, that were cited in the first one. So I'll read the first one to you, uh, and we'll go from there. And this is uh, a quote. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses are controlled by a governing body, which they claim is the faithful and discreet slave spoken of in Matthew 24:45. 45. Actually, um, that verse in the website itself was wrong. So um, that's one thing that made me suspect of it. They had the, the wrong verse there. Uh, this group consists of 10 to 15 mature men that Jehovah's Witnesses are told receive direct guidance from God. The governing body, in turn, instructs followers with this guidance through the pages of the Watchtower and other publications. Jehovah's Witnesses are told by this governing body that Scripture alone is insufficient to understand the things of God. One needs the Watchtower Society and the literature it publishes to properly understand the Bible. Further, Jehovah God has also provided His visible organization, His faithful and discreet slave, made up of spirit-anointed ones. Unless we are in touch with this channel of communication that God is using we will not progress along the road to life, no matter how much reading in the Bible we do. And that's end of quote. Um, after uh, reading this, my first thought was, uh, if Jehovah Witnesses reject the authority of Scriptures that I use when talking with them, How then will they be reached with the gospel of Christ? And almost instantly, I was reminded of what Paul, the Apostle Paul, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 through 25. And you can turn there if you'd like. It says, "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech." so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs, and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And uh, Paul wrote these verses to the Corinthians, who set great value in people who made speeches with philosophical reasoning and lofty oratorical language the use of philosophical reasoning by Christians presenting the gospel might make the cross of Christ void by the hearer thinking more of the human reasoning and eloquence in which the gospel is given and the people that give it than they do of the gospel itself. Christ crucified, their greatest need and God's highest exhibition of love. No one will come to Christ or be added to the church through our philosophical wisdom, or through any speeches bursting with secular learning. People come to Christ through the gospel, the word of God, and the power of God. Paul says, The word of the cross to those who are on their way to perishing is foolishness. The ones who are perishing are the ones preferring human wisdom of words, over that of God's wisdom and the preaching of the cross set forth in his word, the Bible. Without accepting the truth of the gospel, they will certainly perish. To us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The us who are being saved are those who have been predestined to salvation by God's choosing and for God's purposes. On those people, human reasoning and eloquence of speech will have no effect over the power of God and the Word of God because God will change their hearts, removing its callousness and the deafness of their ears towards God and His Word. The Word of God will not be overpowered by human wisdom or eloquence of speech. The Word of God will be effective to those of us who are predestined to salvation. Only God knows how many Jehovah's Witnesses might reject His Word. And only God knows how many Jehovah's Witnesses are predestined for salvation and will respond to His Word. Christians don't know who is predestined to salvation and who is not. What they do know is that in God's time, all who are predestined will respond to God's Word and be saved. Our responsibility as Christians is to continue and use the opportunity God gives us to speak with Jehovah's Witnesses and others using uh, the Word to reach them. And so, this being said, uh, we can begin our study of the Holy Spirit. Any questions thus far or comments from anyone? Okay. So, um, is the Holy Spirit a person? That's probably the first thing that they try to tell us when talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, Before answering this question, we we must first define what a person is. What makes a person a person? Does having flesh and blood and a body make us a person? Do I need a body to be a person? I know that when I die, my body will return to dust. But I will continue to exist consciously forever, in my case, with the Lord. For anyone who is unsaved, sadly, they will be in hell. After death, people continue to exist without a flesh and blood body somewhere, heaven or hell. What are the essential characteristics of a person? Three things, intelligence, emotion, and will. And if you will, turn to Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Revelation 6, 9 through 11. Um, And it says there, And when he had opened the fifth seal, I I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, true and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. And so the first thing that we discover from these verses is that uh, people do exist without a flesh and blood body, Um, they're they're in heaven, and they're conscious. Uh, The second thing we discover is that these people have intelligence. It takes intelligence to have awareness, reasoning, and understanding, also to speak or ask a question. The third thing we discover is that these people have emotions. They cry out to God asking how long before he avenges their death. And the final thing that we discover is that these people have a will. They continue to believe that God is holy and true. And they were given the opportunity to obey what they were told. Rest yet for a little season. These three essential characteristics of a person, intelligence, emotions, and will, should be found in the Holy Spirit as a person. And they are. And I know that pastor has uh, gone through this uh, actually quite recently. Um, and uh, this, this study was a long time in making for me. Actually, when he went through it, I had already prepared this for the last time I taught. And so I had to switch up. Uh, but uh, I think we're going to cover some ground perhaps that he didn't. Um, anyway. The first thing we're going to look at is intelligence. Uh, Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 26 to 27. And I'm using the uh, NASB Bible, uh, 1995 edition, the one that's been updated. And it says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What comes to mind is that the Holy Spirit not only knows our thoughts, but He knows fully the will of God, because He intercedes for the saints according to the will of God which essentially indicates he knows the mind of God. And other scriptures teach that the Holy Spirit specifically knows the mind of God. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that says, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows ex- except the spirit of God. These two things. One, knowing our thoughts, each and every one of us simultaneously. And two, knowing the mind of God not only shows intelligence, but also that He is omniscient. Only God is omniscient. All-knowing, all-seeing, and all-wise. No one can know our thoughts but the one and only all-wise God. And no one, and search and know the mind of God fully, accept God. The Holy Spirit does both because He is not only a person, He is also God. Any questions or comments there? Okay, let's go on to emotions. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Having emotion is the ability to feel effectively with one spirit. And I got that from the internet and I should have wrote down where it came from. Um, a force of any kind might be blocked, might be redirected, might even be stopped. However, It doesn't have the ability to feel effectively with the spirit because it has no spirit. Forces with spirit are only in the theater, on TV, in movies. A force can't be angered in any way, regardless of what is done to it. It has no feelings. The Holy Spirit, on the other hand, is grieved and has righteous anger over things Christians sometimes do as they try to block, redirect, or stop His will for them or for others. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 10 says, But they rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. Therefore He turned Himself to become their enemy. He fought against them. Countless times, I'm sure my actions have grieved God's Holy Spirit as I rebelled against His will. In His grace and His mercy and His great love, every battle waged against me was for my good. Few, if any, Christians can deny that they have grieved God's Holy Spirit. He is a person with emotions. Anything, anybody have any questions or comments? The The... Third one there is the will. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually, just as He wills. The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts as He wills. Having a will, means having the ability to choose a course of action. Paul, in chapter 12 of Corinthians, is adamant about the single source of the gifts being the Holy Spirit, as he states it about five other times. You can read these verses, verse 4, 5, 6, 8, 9, yourself later. These gifts are not something Christians should seek to have. Because the Holy Spirit distributes them as He wills to whom He chooses. The Holy Spirit is volitional. He has a will. And part of that was taken from uh, uh, MacArthur's uh, study Bible. So we've seen that the Holy Spirit has intellect, which means He has a mind. Uh, Emotion, as He feels and is affected in His spirit. A will, because he has the ability to choose a course of action, that he is omniscient and is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-wise, and he is holy, bound up both in his name and his character. Uh, The next thing we're going to look at is that the Holy Spirit teaches Book of John chapter 14:26, 14, uh, 14 verse 26 says, "But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you." And 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 12 and 13 says, "Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Aside from teachers who are windbags, fireballs, electrically charged, or having eyes in the back of their heads? Has anyone seen active forces teaching in any school or classroom, any wind or fire, electricity, radar, doing any teaching? I don't think so. Um, The we and us spoken of in these verses we just read are the apostles and the other writers of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit gave them spiritual thoughts and helped them record those spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19-21 through 21 says, So we have the prophetic word made more sure to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. The Holy Spirit, God, inspired the authors of His Word with thoughts. And those thoughts are translated into the spiritual words that make up the Bible. They are for our learning and our help and training, equipping us to walk with God and serve God. And Bible.org says... This is the reason we can believe the record of the Bible. Jesus promised his disciples that the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and remind them of all that Jesus had taught them. The Holy Spirit is the divine author of the Bible. And then, uh, any comments or questions there? It's a good thing you don't have any questions. I probably wouldn't have any answers. But... (laughs) Um the Holy Spirit intercedes. And we're not we're not going to go too much farther with this here. We'll wrap it up here in a little bit. Um Romans 8:26 says, "In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercede, intercedes for us." with groanings too deep for words. I certainly have to admit that sometimes when I pray, and it doesn't matter if my life is on a mountaintop and things are going really well or deep in the valley, devastated uh, and feeling pain from a trial, I sometimes don't know how to pray. Oh, and it's, it's not the pattern of prayer that escapes me nor the object of prayer. Sometimes the words aren't adequate. And they don't seem uh, to come out right or uh, reflect what, what I really want to say. The Holy Spirit knows my heart and He knows your heart too. And He intercedes on our behalf, knowing the will of God and the mind of God. And they need no words between them. The groanings too deep for words are enough. Um, and then I just have a couple of other verses here that say the Holy Spirit leads. Uh, That's uh, Romans 8.14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And then the Holy Spirit testifies, Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Um, In conclusion, um, we need the Holy Spirit. He brings us close to God, and He gives us assurance of our salvation, and He brings people to Christ. He helps us understand the Word. He keeps us sensitive to sin and helps us to grow in Christian character. He assures us of God's love for us, and He also helps us serve the Lord effectively. And with joy. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. So any uh, questions or comments this morning? We're going to have a lot of time left. You need some more cake. Yes, Bill. you remember
1: uh, when you started out, you were talking about Jehovah's Witnesses? Yes. Well, my neighborhood, is quite a lot of them. And uh, most of the time, I just give them one question <coughs> that they uh, don't answer. I tell them, if you don't answer correctly, you got to go... Never answered correctly. But I asked one of them one time, if you believe the Jehovah Witnesses started by God, who's Charles Taz Russell? I don't know. I said, you found the man when the 1800s started Jehovah Witness organization. He was a drunkard and a womanizer and he stole money may have been a murderer, they kind of think that it was, and you don't know who you follow. I mean, it's all made up stuff. It, they, you know, but it just shows you the power of the devil, that people can be so deceived in following a human being instead of following God.
0: Right. Well, I'm I'm kind of like you. When they come to my door, and I've said this before, um I, I'm always, you know, uh, willing to talk with them. But what I do is, um, I use I use one verse, just like you do. Um, Colossians two nine that says, "For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily." And when you when you use that verse, they immediately want to take you somewhere else and show you something else other than uh, talking about that verse, but I don't let them do that. You know, I I I just I just stay right on that one verse, and I just get adamant about that verse. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body, bodily. He lacks none of it. He is fully God. It's talking about Jesus Christ there, and uh, if they can't deal with that verse. Uh, how can we go and deal with any other? they have to they have to deal with that one first, and so that's how I generally do it And I, and I just tell you a quick little story myself. I had uh, two women come, an older woman once, and a younger woman. And the younger woman obviously was the newbie, you know she didn't have very much to say, or the observer, or I don't know what I don't know what you would say. But I I started with that verse. I said, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's talking about Jesus Christ. He is fully God. He doesn't lack any of it. And the older woman started with her. Well, yes, but look here. you know. And she wanted to read another verse. And I said, you know what? We'll deal with that verse that you're talking about. But we have to deal with this one first. And I just kept drilling that verse. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I said, he is fully God. He doesn't lack any of it. And I, we went through that like three or four times, and I just kept saying that verse. And I happened to look at the younger woman that was behind, and you know how when you are trying to teach somebody something and you just see that, that little, oh, wait a minute, I think I'm getting this here. And I, I know I'm reading something into it, but... I saw that in her face. And those those women had been to my house several times. They never came back after that. So I, I think somehow that verse that I just kept giving to them uh, was effective on that young girl. I mean, I don't have any proof of that, but that's the way I felt about it as I was talking with them. So, yeah, I don't let them go off of it. That's the verse I use all the time.
1: Right. You know, I said, Well, I don't believe Michael is Jesus. Jesus is you know, they agree that he's the son of God but not right. God himself. And, you know, like you said, they tried to go to a bunch of different other passages and um when put on the spot I don't always know how to respond or where to take them and I just told what what I believed and um yep. you know, yep yes
0: all right anyone else okay well, let's uh close in the prayer here and we'll be dismissed father we're uh once again, we're thankful for your word um I just pray Father that you would uh give us hearts uh that Love Jehovah's Witnesses, Lord, uh, that see their lost state, Lord, uh, that see, Lord, where they're headed, and uh, they're they're headed, Lord, to an eternity without you, uh, without love. And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us uh, to uh, be uh, good witnesses for you. Help us to um, certainly be protected. Uh, Lord, with your word and uh, with um, your Holy Spirit, Father, uh, to be able to um, not uh, fall prey to uh, the things that they uh, espouse, Lord. And help us, Lord, uh, once again, to be effective witnesses, uh, remembering, Lord, that um, they need salvation. They need you. They need your son, Jesus Christ, in his shed blood and uh lord i just pray that uh, you would just uh equip us lord and help us uh to serve you in that way we pray for uh the services that are to come the preaching uh the preaching tonight father and we just pray that you'll be pleased in uh, everything that's done and we just thank you and praise you it's in your son's name in jesus name we pray amen